0: As a confidant and coach to business leaders, I know a lot of people who are rich and miserable, and those on the opposite side of the spectrum. So let's pull it all together, shall we? We'll explore the intersection between wealth and joy. We'll look at the psychology, spirituality, and practicality of money, plus some of the things that make up a truly lucrative lifestyle. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this, is The Lucra Life. All right, my friends, I have a very special guest with us today. Rich Christensen is a thought leader, educator, mentor, entrepreneur, and humanitarian, one of my favorite types of people. He has founded or co-founded 51 businesses, of which 16 have become multi-million dollar successes. His businesses have ranged from technology, import-export, SEO, lead gen, online sales, innovative products, real estate, worm poop, and most recently, a gift and grief registry. Rich, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Just really a, p- a pleasure to be here, man. and just honor and respect to you. We have a long history together, and I just really respect what you do.
0: We do have a long history together. I was just reminiscing with Rich. We had met sometime years and years ago at Some event, who knows which one it was, you and Sean had shared a stage together and so much fun. So here's where I want to begin with you. I talk a lot about entrepreneurship, wealth, mindset, all of these different things. And I always ask each one of my guests, how do you personally define wealth?
1: For me, you know, it shifted pretty dramatically through the years, Mindy, and it started out with the general answer, and that's accumulating assets, but it shifted dramatically out of that. David Brooks wrote a wonderful book recently called The Second Mountain, where he talks about fame and fortune getting to the top of the mountain. When you get to the top of the mountain. It's very lonely, and it's very hollow, and I can speak to truth of that. The second mountain is is the mountain of impact, the mountain of impact and making and doing good. And again, I've got to the top of that mountain. And it's pretty meaningful, but it's less hollow. Wealth to me is this legacy. Wealth to me is, is the people that I love, deeply bonded relationships that accounts for three things. Number one, my health. And living healthy and fully manifest, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Secondly, it's my trust network, my dearest trust friends that just bring joy into my life. And third and most important for me, it's my family. It's about passing on not not money wealth, although there will be plenty of that if we do this properly. It's about passing on institutional knowledge wealth, moral wealth, value wealth, and and staying bonded and deeply committed to one another for generation upon generation upon generation. Now, that's wealth.
0: I love that. And you recently have created this whole program called Legato, which is a lot of what you just talked about, the legacy, the generational wealth. Can you tell us a little bit about that program?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm Indian and in all transparency and truth, I never intended to talk about this. This is a model that I put in place uh, when my first, when my family's first uh, starting to come along. My wife and I at that point had had a really great career opportunity and I was earn- earning more than my father in law, and my father at the end of their career. And it terrified my wife and I because we did not want to blow our kids up. And everyone we saw that had wet their kids were all addicted to drugs or entitled or I mean, just really not good stuff. So we went looking for a model and a structure of uh, how to raise our family, what we found was all sorts of wealth management stuff all sorts of wealth management we couldn't find anything that was you know based on not dorking our kids up and so true to every entrepreneur <laughs> i created my own model with my wife and then promptly proceeded not to tell anyone and uh, then this started coming out a little bit what was happening people saw our kids and the crazy stuff and how we were conducting which was so out of norm of everyone else they started going on, and then a couple of dear friends. One of them at the top of the list was our dear friend Garrett Gunderson, who was also a dear connection to Sean and I. And he started like sneaking me onto stages and doing all this sorts of stuff. So I started talking about a little bit, but still saying I won't know if this works until my grandchildren are raised. Mm-hmm. And then about two and a half years ago, I had a profoundly spiritual experience, so deep I can't even hardly talk about. It other than I was basically told, "You've got to now bring this forward because families, tribes, uh, non-traditional families are struggling so deeply mm-hmm. right now that we've got to have something that pulls them together. We've got to have something that unifies them." And so that indeed was legato. Legato is not just like a framework, which I'm sure we'll outline. It's a movement. It's a movement of unifying and entrenching back values and not having the very fabric of our communities and nation ripped apart. So that was a very long answer to it, Mindy, but that's kind of how this all came about.
0: Okay, I mean, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you and your wife found because I think that's a very common perception is kids that grow up with money They just turn into spoiled brats and they're rich kids and that that it doesn't serve society, right? It doesn't, you know, move the needle forward in terms of the impact and good things that we can do for the planet or the world or humanity. So what were some of the things that you did come across?
1: Could could i go through the framework with you quickly that may make sense and and we'll we'll, i i commit not to do this uh if if you can give me 10 minutes i'll do a really quick fly by ten thousand foot
0: (laughs) we are all good you can take as much time Mm -hmm. as you would like
1: okay great so here's the framework the platform is values we have values in educational institutions i chair one of them we have values in religions we have values in the government. You have values in your business. But have you thought to clearly and crisply define the values that you have in your family, your non traditional family, or even in your tribe and community? Uh, if you don't, every other organization has. Now, it may be the Bloods and the Crips. It may be, uh, and I mean, ugh, it's crazy the values that are out there. But you've got to, first of all, define the platform of values. And everyone wants to get to all this really sexy stuff that I talk about. And I say, yeah, you can do it. But it's like planning you know, a pillar on Sandy Foundation. It's just going to fall over if you're not super cr- cr- crystal clear on the values. Now, equal of importance to what the values are is, is what values you extract from legacy. The big challenge that so many millennials have faced is, is and rightfully so, some of the values that have been passed on are just junk. They're bad. And so the solution is let's just toss it all into the fire and start over. That's really stupid to throw away 20 20- 100,000 years of conventional really good learned wisdom. So what you have to do is you have to very carefully select and throw the values that are not serving you well that were passed on from your parents and your posterity. Uh, You're very aware of the epigenetic field, but it's like that passes on to us. In my wife's family and my family, guilt and shame and scarcity were used like peanut butter and jam between bread. And so we very deliberately decided we're not going to pass on guilt and shame and have that be motivator. So we extracted that. So you got this platform of values, and then you plant five pillars, bam, 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 five pillars firmly on top of it, any organization that indoors has these most think to kind of do it in their businesses, Kind of poorly, but they do it. Do it really good in religious institutions. Do it really, really good in educational institutions, but don't even think to do it with your family. The first is this What's your family symbol? What's your tribe symbol? What's your non traditional family symbol? The LA Lakers have a symbol. Nike has a swoosh. The Bloods and the Crips know their color, but what's your symbol? What's your family logo? So we all have this deep, deep need to be unified and bonded. And that identifies us. What's your color? Mm. Do you know what your color is that you represent when you're both in self and shadow self? If not, you need to do it. I'm wearing my mountain gorilla today, I show up as the mountain gorilla when I'm holding space and happy. You don't want to see the seedy little lizard Johnny Passion. So what's your color? What's your passion and knowing that for every one of your kids? Have you thought to do a family crest? We have a family crest that's so beautiful that sits over our mantle. It's like, oh my gosh, it's mind-blowing. So the first leg of this is the symbology and making sure you understand just even what your kids' colors are. Or if you're not in a family like you're not, do you know what the colors of your clearest friends are or your tribe? Mm -hmm. The Qantas clubs does this. They have a logo and symbol. Most people don't think to put a logo and a symbol, a spirit animal in their symbology. So that's the first leg to identify you. Number two is, is what's your doctrine? Uh, We have the Constitution of the United States. We have all of these, you know, every religion has so much doctrine, it's almost like you, you choke to death on it, whether it's the Bible or the Quran or whatever, you have doctrine. But what's the family doctrine? Do you have a family mission statement? Do you have a we believe statement? Do you have Mantras and symbols live strong, die hard, defenders of the faith, do the right thing, damn the torpedoes, and a mission statement that's hung in our family for 35 years. We didn't need to set a bunch of rules because the kids grew up self regulating. I could tell you a bunch of stories about that, but we don't got time. So, pillar number two is the doctrine. Now, again, you say, Oh, don't have doctrine. Well, guess what? The LA Lakers have doctrine, Levi's has doctrine, and I think of most people, what Lee knew what Levi's and Nike's symbols and doctrine was their values are so misaligned with mine I refuse to wear them I only brand the stuff that I believe in and it, it carries a lot of weight if you're driving a Subaru around town what are you most of the time it's it's outdoors people that buy Subarus you know if you're wearing Patagonia you're likely a climber if you're wearing Roxy, you're a rock climber. And so the brands and colors who we wear really, really, really matter because it identifies who we are. And the doctrine is the rules of how we behave. Does that make sense? So that's the first two pillars is the symbology and the doctrine planted on the values. The third is is the uh, traditions, the cadence of tradition, tradition. We all love our traditions. And there's cadence of uh, traditions that we have to have in place where we get together and we, you know, get comfortable. And then there's these really, really special kind of almost sacred kind of things. In religion, it's like baptism and confirmations and all this stuff. And it really matters. And that's what we unify and hold on to. In families, we all go to Thanksgiving dinner. and God bless you. You change and mabel's terrible cranberry recipe everyone will revolt you know so very deliberately putting all these interesting little traditions in your family gives all this confidence and strength and it can be as simple as asking your kids what's the funny of the day
0: Mm. or if you have
1: young children man try missing their favorite song you want to give them comfort and stability don't follow them around and drive them crazy but at at bedtime read them their favorite goodnight story or tell them a fun little story. Kiss them on the forehead and read their song and watch the one every single night. Say a family prayer. Or in your community, have a cool little fist bump. That symbology and also tradition. That's, I mean, the gangs do that. Ooh, slap, there they go. That's a tradition that unifies and bonds you together. Most I am families- totally
0: doing that for my crew now. We are creating uh, some sort of awesome fist bump. That's such a good idea. <laughs>
1: it will go so tight and so united i mean and this is this isn't new stuff i mean the masters golf tournament those guys it's the most ugly golf best ever wore guys killed to wear that little green ugly best around with the most ugly logo ever created why tradition and yeah. it means something that stands for something anything that endures as a matter of fact i'll go so far to say it will not endure if you do not have the values defined symbology the rules of engagement how you behave and the traditions the quick cadences and then the very special ones as you advance uh, and go deeper into the entity It you just doesn't endure nothing will endure without those key elements in place and so if you want your dear friends to last, you better freaking define the values and the rules. Otherwise, someone will flagrantly do it. And then they won't even know or may not know because it's just like a big hog pudge. It's a big hot mess of goulash that you're serving up for dinner. It, this is equally, if not more powerful, Mindy, for uh, non-traditional families. It's my favorite group to work with is actually non-traditional families and tribes. The Kiwanis <laughs> Club does this. M13 does this. Yeah. Now you may not want your kid at 13 years old killing someone to get in, but that's a tradition. And if you don't serve this up as a family and a tribe the rest of the world will and manipulate into values that you do not want your kids, you do not want your friends, and you do not want your non-traditional family aligned with. So that, that that's The first three, you had a question and I'll get off my pony and then go to my favorite one is the next one.
0: (laughs) I was just curious if you thought that with, you mentioned that non-traditional families were your favorite type of family to work with. Is part of that in that they maybe are vastly underserved in things like this?
1: Vastly underserved and more under attack and more complex of how to do it. Got it. I had one at most in all transparency, I've kind of been doing this the last couple of years, but only to the wealthy, wealthy, wealthy families, like billionaire families bringing me in. And it's just, I mean, it's great to fix them, but it's like most of the time the problems are so stinky and messy and big, it's a lot of digging out to do it, you know. And so that was part of why we brought this program forward is so everyone can participate and catch this much quicker. A lot of my early work in lean startup perpetuated the problems. It didn't help solve it, it perpetuated. So we've got to get families, non-traditional families and and, and also tribes unifying on this quicker so that they don't get just fractured into a million pieces. Let me give one, can I give one quick little example of, of that? So I was working with this family and it was a very wealthy father. He'd had multiple marriages and multiple children from multiple marriages and even some not in marriage. And nonetheless, he had a whole crew. And he was kind of getting an older dude. And, and so he says, we got to fix this. And, and I, I got the, the long straw to help fix it. So he came in and had the family. And he basically bribed his whole family to come in. And all the collective, a hot mess. It was a hot mess. And every one of the kids—the only way they were in there because they didn't want to be pulled out of an inheritance—and they all came looking like—is your podcast visual or is it only audio?
0: No. So what you what Rich is doing right now is just crossed arms, like hunched over, not happy.
1: <laughs> not happy's putting up pleasant. That was a happy day, okay? <laughs> they were no having any part of this, and it was ugly there was one brother that was so angry and so frustrated about he refused he didn't care if he got disinherited but nonetheless uh he didn't show up so i kind of got into it talking about values whatever else and i did this beautiful exercise and it was i need you each to draw what color what, what food you are draw your food if you're a food what food were you and then i went one step up from that okay now you're you're not a food now you're a spirit animal draw your spirit animal and so I'll do it and says, Our brother's missing, we got to draw him. So they drew him as like this surfing cool dude. And then the next exercise was okay, now we got to We got to put symbology because this is complicated. How are we going to do it? And so they, they picked the ocean theme and they drew themselves all as their spirit animal like drawing on drawing as the, the kind of animals they were like whales and dolphins and all this stuff. And this one brother wasn't there and they says we've got to represent him. So they put him in the portion of his like where the the waves were crossing because that's how he divided where the families genetically were crossed over. And they put him like riding one of the waves It's just like this super cool with his tattoo surfing, dude, you know exactly what happened to him. As soon as that was pulled out and he saw that he'd been represented, not only did he start talking to the family, but it healed it because he had been seen. The biggest need that we all have is is not to be right. It's to be seen. And so putting him there instantly it bonded and that that it wasn't not that it wasn't perfect, but it healed a lot of the complexity of the relationships. So this this is so powerful in uniting and healing. And I've got to get to my next one, or I'm just gonna pop here.
0: Okay, so number four.
1: (laughs) Okay, we got values planted on symbols. Uh, doctrine, and traditions. And traditions has cadences quick and then very, very special, like almost sacred kind of things that you don't even talk about that lets you know you're on the inside circle of it. Mm -hmm. So the next one is the one that I bolded into cement it. To just make sure that it permanently went. So, as uh, my wife and I did uh, kind of the research and looked into it, we identified strategic key ages where key things happen with kids. The first is eight. Eight is at what point the head, the skull comes over. You call it the third eye. It's the pineal gland, and kids start cognitively a- acting and making their own decisions. Eight is a vital critical date. The second is twelve. The next one, uh, and at twelve years old, that's the or just a uh, puberty, when you start switching into adult, 14 is the age where most kids make the decision of their course life. 16 is when they pick career path. And then 18 is when every child needs to kill their parents and become their own adult. Mm. And so we very deliberately put what we call rites of passage in place at each one of those dates.
0: That is fantastic because that is so desperately missing from our society.
1: Indigenous cultures had this. This has been a lost art ever since the uh, Industrial Revolution.
0: You know, you think about that in the business sense, or you think about that as a sports team, or you think about that in all of these different areas, and you are absolutely correct in the fact that most people, at least that I'm aware of, don't think about those things in terms yeah. of family unit, family structure, and what a different dynamic that would create.
1: Well, and tribes, and tribes. You look at your community, your your community, how you could deeply bond. Uh, would would you, would it be a value Mindy, for me to quickly go through what the rites of passage were for our family, what we did?
0: I would love to hear what you specifically did.
1: Eight years old. Eight is great date. The first time that the the kid gets to pick where we go to dinner, it's was probably something awful. And uh, after dinner, we'd go away pri- uh, into a private room, and my wife, who was a nurse, would bring out the books, and we would talk dead straight open, holds no bar as much as they wanted, about sex, about and drugs. Eight years old? Huh? Eight years eight. old.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Sex, drugs, bullying, technology, and open All the conversation of hard dialogue at eight years old, and it never stopped. There was never a forbidden, taboo, hidden, uncomfortable conversation in our family. I had five boys. So eight years old, opened the dialogue, it never entered. Uh, My five sons, uh, I mean, they did straight up talk. When they have their first wet dream, they're talking to me. If they get looking at something, they're they're talking to me. There's no judgment because we'd eliminated the guilt and the shame. And was all in love and openness so eight years old there has not been a topic that we have not covered or discussed openly and lovingly and without judgment in our family 12 years old is such a fun one i i because i had boys i would take my sons on a non-entitlement trip i would take them away for one two three weeks to a third world country the the first week would be spent doing mind-blowing fun things that most adults have never done. Climbing the Great Wall of China, riding down on the backs of elephants in Mumbai, going to see the Taj Mahal and the Red Four. My fourth son wanted to go see the Pokemon Center, the original one in uh, Tokyo, Japan. I mean, just mind-blowing adventures. Week number two, we're in a Mother Krisna orphanage, or my favorite, in Kathmandu, holding the little mm-hmm. lost girls that had been rescued from sexual slavery or even worse they were going to be killed because of the dowry and their organs donated that's where india and china get all their organs and a week of touching a little lost girl as a 12 year old you're not the same person the third week we would make our way back very very slowly and talk about what does it mean to be a Christian, It's a man based on our values protect provide and provide safe space for women and giving women full power and and, and men and women leaving in, in equal dignity and fixing a lot of stuff and so that became the framework of what it meant to be a christian man going forward after 12 years old my son's mowing lawn providing dad providing dad they see me out making a trip they they know exactly and you got all this framework of what it meant for us based on our values to be a man and there was not one ounce of entitlement in their bodies because they'd held the little lost girls.
0: Yeah, I love the contrast of that. I actually, that's how I run my trips to Kenya where I take them to the worst of the worst in the slums and they're seeing these, you know, just beautiful children that are educating with zero supplies and all that stuff. And then we go to a really fancy schmancy safari and it's the, just that contrasting of worlds is so powerful for people's brains to just experience.
1: You can't see that and, and be the same, and particularly as a young kid. But even as adults, if you haven't done it, you're not listening to this for crying out loud. Get outside yourself, and even drive across the border into Mexico. Get down there and see. I mean, uh, the the poorest of the poor here in the U.S. lives better than most uh, royalty in most countries. We are so blessed, and we we uh, just we get really entitled and pithy at times. You know,
0: we do. We do.
1: So that was squashed out of them, which was my wife and I's major concern. The result was not one ounce of entitlement, not one ounce of cell phone abuse. As a matter of fact, I wish they'd pick their phones up more often, even still as adults. (laughs) So it just totally eliminated. Yeah. 14 years old, critical, because that's the point where they're defining which road they go down. Each one of my sons have been on top of a major world mountain peak. Three of them have stared up the throat of Mount Everest. I mean, we're talking 19,000 feet, ball yourself to the top. I've had two of my sons on Mount Kilimanjaro. We've climbed, not Machu Picchu, we've climbed Picchu. Uh, we've been on Mont Blanc. It's like, and the purpose of that trip is, is private victories, not public victories, and I can do very hard things i can do very hard things my worst fear was my sons would uh be uh, win throw the winning football pass and get carried off the crowd it's like i don't want that we wanted private victories and so my sons have all had the courage to do incredibly hard things my second son held space like most i i'm not sure i could have we his his little baby died uh, a, a week and a half ago and we had to bury a grandbaby Mm. And he raced his wife to the hospital and spent two weeks laying on the floor between holding his wife who almost died and this little baby and holding space and with honor did it in every mm. way he had courage to stand up and be a man. Now, right and wrong. And if I say something that offends here, I apologize. But again, I get to have control of my values. I don't want to raise wimpy little boys that live in my basement and end up becoming serial killers. I want I don't think there's man. anything
0: offensive in that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want my I wanted my sons to have the courage to stand up and be a man and be a man. And yes, respect and honor women on the highest level, but to stand and be proud of who and what they are, and hold that space. And my son Matthew proved it on steroids to such a level that I, I mean, I'm so proud I, I could pop my buttons off as hard as it was. It's like, Oh, my heavens, that you proved it on every level there. So that, that 14 year old trip may be the most important private victories, not public victories and having the courage to do very hard things. I love that. Ready for 16? 16 years old, my sons each shook my hand, made agreement that never again will they ever ask for anything. Uh, they will pay for their own college, they'll pay for their own mission, they'll even pay for a, our family's vacations. And each one of my sons created million dollar businesses when they were still in high school.
0: That's amazing, holy cow.
1: Every each one of them did it. I, I had one son that did it twice. Wow. And with that skill, I never have to worry. Everyone <laughs> <You're> they take <good. laughs> me to dinner. I just got back frisbee golfing with my son. He buys dinner. I don't buy he, buy he buys lunch. I don't buy lunch. I mean, he's he's 27 years old, just paid off his second house. That is it awesome. sold his second business after and what I'm about to say will blow you away. When they turn 18, they shut the business down and give all the excess profits other than enough to pay for Their mission, their college, and to buy a car and give it back to the charity that they went and saw. And people say, why the heck do you do that? Because I want my sons to kill me at the age 18-year-old, and I want them to then be my peer. I don't want my sons living off my laurels because I've had to prop the business up a little bit. I want them to go off and prove and flap on their own wings. And at that point, when they're 18 years old, my sons are totally 100% my peer. I ask for advice more from them than they ask from me. At 18 years old, they go away for two years. Uh, They serve humanity, learn another language, and live incredibly poor, just attempting to do good. When they're back at the age of 20 years old, they're not 20-year-olds. They're 60-year-olds in wisdom and capacity. And the result is is launched to a level that I can't even uh, describe. When my wife and I put this little framework, I I had no idea how powerful it would be and i i I have no concern for generation upon generation of generation because i see what my children are doing with my grandchildren and they're lapping what we did the last rite of passage we put in recently this was a bolt on it was an apology from me where i would take them as a young adult 23 24 25 to a level four security prison to individuals who have been incarcerated that have even taken life or been drug dealers and go and teach them fatherhood and entrepreneurship
0: mm. and
1: after two days you come out realizing you didn't even get a first chance and a matter of fact your soul may be as good if not more pure than mine and we've got some major dorked up systems here that are causing a lot of problems the learning is as you get a second chance i get a second chance we all need second chances and none of us want to be held accountable for the worst thing we've done And I then offer as a second, a huge apology. I'm sorry, it's my generation that created all this misogynistic problem, all of these race divisive problems. We've dorked up the environment. We've dorked up the prison system and dorked up reform. I'm very, very sorry. It's now your problem, go fix it. And that's the ends of the rites of passage. So now I got values, four pillars, permanently cemented, never changes, undone. Then the question is, is what do you do with all the money and the finances? And so I partnered with this amazing individual, maybe the only person I've ever met in the financial space that I 100% trust, dead cold on, no agenda named Scott Ford. And he teaches all the secrets of the wealthy, wealthy, family banking, how to do a family constitution, a model called Way to Wealth that I'm just so lucky to have. I'm not going to go into that. You should have him on the program to go through that one. Perfect but so grateful and people say, so what are you doing with your wealth, Rich? Well, we're not giving any of it away. We're funding our family legacy cabin every year. The whole family gets a completely updated apparel in the family logo. Uh, I buy a family vacation every year and then each family gets a board member that gets to decide where we contribute 5% of the wealth into perpetuity to charitable organizations. My sons would be offended, mortally offended, if I even tried to offer them an inheritance because hmm. they're going to quadruple in 10 times what I did and add it to it. They're additive to it. They're not sitting there waking for the old man to die. All they want the old man for is to go play Frisbee golf with and cook some barbecue ribs.
0: Which That's is how not- it should be between <laughs> father and son. <laughs>
1: but it's not most of the time no it's not so that was a real quick fly by mindy and i hope i didn't blow you away or over talk it but but that's the that's the the model that's the legato family framework and what we built is all these such fun exercises and walking through of how to get to all the content so your family can indeed define the values what you throw away create your own symbol and logo create your own spirit animals your own doctrine your and and by the end of the the workbook and program, from nose to toes, cradle to grave, have what it took me like 10 years and literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to do done, like in a matter of just a short period of time.
0: Rich, that is so awesome. And we actually have a special gift for some of our listeners today. You very generously have offered some of my listeners, one, your Legato family package, and to this lovely program that they can go through so listeners you do need to apply for this that will be at lucra.com legato lucra.com legato there will be links at this podcast episode and rich could you talk a little bit about that that kit that they get and what that, <gasps> that program is
1: i gotta tell you this is the funnest thought leadership that i've ever done we put this package that kind of staged into it in that box is number one a deck of super fun cards that you can just pull out and with any family member so if there's any strain with your teenager even as adults are playing this they'll pull it out and say oh if you were a food what would you be and then the next question is what's a mistake that you've made that you regret and the next is, is how have you learned it? so all these fun like questions in Deck of cards. The second is this really fun little 52 week, like almost little journal that you can go do and do all these super fun little exercises on steroids. That's just playful and fun and bonds your family, your non traditional family or your tribe together. And the third is the bomb. The third is the freaking PHP bomb. It's all that I've been talking about. It's the workbook coupled to the online program. So you actually a bunch of training videos for me talking through with the exercises of, of how do you get your values really fun? How do you connect with teenagers? how do you set up the rules? Uh, how do you uh, get your spirit animal and just all these fun little bite sized uh, exercises to walk you through this legato family framework. So that's what the box and the program is. And then the real kicker that one that I think Andrea is having you give away is actually an assisted program where we actually real-time live with other individuals will walk through it with you uh, with like-minded legato members.
0: That is freaking awesome and very, very generous. So thank you. Once again, that is for a lucky listener. You do have to apply. So go to lucra.com slash legato to learn more about that and enter in your information. I will then let whoever wins know and we will send you all this awesome stuff. Rich, this has been an absolute delight i would like to ask if people want to just learn more about you in general where is the best place that they can go online
1: well first of all i'm trying to hide so i'd recommend don't find out about me (laughs) you know (laughs) that they all
0: want to know you (laughs) no
1: this isn't about me it really isn't about me this is not about me this is not the rich dog and pony show this is about a stabilizing family structure so i i'm not going to point you to me I'm going to go hide as soon as I possibly can, uh, which is very soon. I would add. <laughs> I'd, I'd go to Legado, L-E-G-A-D-O, F-A-M-I-L-Y, legatofamily.com. and there is a little on there. But oh gosh, you guys, I'm so excited for you. I can't even tell you. You, you the first question you ask is is wealth. I mean, I would, I would give, it, and I've done pretty well for myself. I'd throw it all away in five seconds and have this joyful, amazing family structure mm-hmm. with my kids. I mean, they can't wait to be with me. My daughter-in-law's even hug me and kiss me on the forehead. And it's like, let's see, which am I gonna take? Flying around in a fancy pants litter jet or getting that kiss? My grandchildren adore me. And my mm-hmm. kids are naming all these grandkids after my wife and I. It's like, that's wealth. That's real wealth. It has nothing to do with money.
0: I 100% agree. Once again, that's legatofamily.com to learn more or you can apply for this very special package that Rich is offering at lucra.com slash legato. Links to all that on my website at lucra.com with this podcast episode. Once again, Rich, this has been awesome. It's been great to reconnect with you. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, and really for what you've put together and this generous gift that you have offered to my audience. So, so, so grateful.
1: Blessings. Thank you so much, Mindy.
0: Ready to make your dream your reality? Let's build your business so you can do what you are here to do. I invite you to join my inner circle, the Lucra Collective, a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who got over the limiting belief that they needed to go it alone. Visit lucra.com to join today. That's L-U-C-R-A dot com. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.